listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I'm reading this four-volume, over 2,500 pages of mystical revelations received by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. Today is day 28, and we continue reading from chapter 15, paragraphs 217 through 224. If you would like to read along, you can acquire your own four-volume set from Tan Books. And when you head over to their website, be sure to use the code PODCAST15 at checkout, and you'll save 15% off. And if you want to discuss today's reading, go over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to discuss with other listeners and readers today's reflection. Let's begin at paragraph 217. Just as the hand of our Lord formed the first parents, Adam and Eve, in such a way to befit original justice in the state of innocence, and therefore also more excellently than their descendants, for the works coming directly from the Lord must be more perfect than those of secondary causes. So his omnipotence, in a more excellent and superior manner, operated in the formation of the virginal body of the Most Holy Mary. And this he did with so much the greater solicitude and abundance of grace as this creature was to exceed in perfection not only the first parents who were to sin so soon, but all the other creatures, corporal and spiritual. According to our way of speaking, God exerted more care in composing this little body of his most holy mother than in creating all the celestial orbs in the whole universe. In accordance with this rule are to be measured the gifts and privileges of this city of God, from its first beginnings and foundations to its highest pinnacle, next to the infinity of the Most High. Such was also the measure of the distance between her miraculous conception and sin and its cause, concupiscence. For not only was she, as the dawn of grace, entirely free from sin and always so exhibited and treated by the Lord, but also in her parents, sin and concupiscence was restrained and withheld in view of her conception in order that nature might not be disturbed or made perfect in this work. For nature was to be subject to grace and served merely as an instrument to the supreme artificer, who is superior to the laws of nature and of grace. It was here that he commenced to destroy sin and to lay the foundations, building up the castle of the strong-armed one, Luke 11.22, who was to undermine evil and deprive it of the possessions which it tyrannically held. The day on which the first conception of the body of the Most Holy Mary happened was a Sunday, corresponding to the day of the week on which the angels were created, whose exalted queen and lady she was to be. For the formation and growth of other human bodies according to the natural order, many days are necessary in order to organize and fit them for the reception of the rational soul. Thus, for a man-child are required forty, and for females eighty days, more or less, according to the natural heat and disposition of the mothers. In the formation of the virginal body of Mary, the Almighty accelerated the natural time, and that which, according to the natural rule, required eighty days, was accomplished in her. Within seven days, within these seven days, by accelerated growth, was organized and prepared in the womb of Holy Anne, that wonderful body which was to receive the most holy soul of her daughter and of Our Lady and Queen. On the Saturday next, following the first conception, the Almighty wrought the second conception by creating the soul of his mother and infusing it into the body, 
and thus entered into the world, that pure creature, more holy, perfect, and agreeable to his eyes, than all those he had created, or will create to the end of the world, or through the eternities. God maintained a mysterious correspondence in the execution of this work with that of creating all the rest of the world in seven days, as is related in the book of Genesis. Then, no doubt, he rested in truth according to the figurative language of Scripture, since he has now created the most perfect creature of all, giving through it a beginning of the work of the divine word and to the redemption of the human race. Thus was this day a paschal feast for God, and also for all creatures. On account of this immaculate conception of Most Holy Mary, the Holy Spirit was provided that Saturday be consecrated to the Virgin and the Holy Church, since that was the day on which she received the greatest benefit through the creation of her soul and its union with its body without entailing sin or its effects. The day of the Immaculate Conception, which the Church now celebrates, is not the day of her first conception, when the body alone was conceived, but it is the day of her second conception, or the infusion of her soul. Body and soul therefore remain for nine months in the womb of Holy Anne, which are the days that intervene between the conception to the nativity of that queen. During the other seven days preceding the vivification of the inanimate body, it was disposed and organized by the divine power in order that this work might correspond with the account that Moses gives of the creation of all things, comprising the formation of the whole world at its beginning. At the instant of the creation and infusion of the soul in the Most Holy Mother, the Most Blessed Trinity repeated with greater affection of love the words recorded by Moses at that time concerning man. Let us make Mary to our image and likeness to be our true daughter and spouse, and a mother to the only begotten of the Father. By the force of this divine pronouncement, and through the love with which it issued from the mouth of the Almighty, it was created and infused into the body of Most Holy Mary, her most blessed soul. At the same time, she was filled with grace and gifts above those of the highest seraphim of heaven, and there was not a single instant in which she was found wanting or deprived of the light, the friendship, and the love of the Creator, or in which she was touched by the stain of darkness, of original sin. On the contrary, she was possessed of the most perfect justice, superior to that of Adam and Eve in their first formation. To her was also conceived the most perfect use of the light of reason, corresponding to the gifts of grace which she had received. Not for one instant was she to remain idle, but to engage in works most admirable and pleasing to her Maker. In the perception of this great mystery I confess myself overcome, so that my heart, unable to express itself in words, is dumbfounded in sentiments of admiration and of praise. I seek the Ark of the Testament joined together, enriched in place in the temple of a sterile mother, with greater glory than the figurative one in the house of Obedon and of David, or in the temple of Solomon, 2 Kings 6.11, 3 Kings 8.6. I see the altar of the Holy of Holies, Isaiah 65:17. Whence is to be offered the first sacrifice that is to overcome and prove acceptable to God. I see the order of nature break from its laws to be rearranged. I see new laws established against sin, disregarding those of the common order, overpowering those of guilt, conquering those of nature, and supervening even those of grace itself. I see the formation of a new earth and of a new heaven, 
Isaiah 65, 17. Being the womb of a most humble woman, whether the eyes of the Most Holy Trinity are directed, where the divinity presides, where the courtiers of the ancient heavens gather, and whither a thousand angels are delegated to form a guard over a tiny animated body, not larger than that of a little bee. In this new creation is heard with a greater force the voice of its maker, who, pleased with the work of his omnipotence, says that it is very good. Genesis 1.31 Let human frailty with human piety approach this wonder, confessing the grandeur of the Creator, and let it rejoice for this new benefit, conceded to all the human race, and this its reparatrix. Let the heat of disputation cease, overcome by the divine light. For if the divine bounty, as was shown to me in the conception of the Most Holy Mother, looked upon her with such pleasure and upon original sin with such hostility that he gloried in the occasion and just cause of restraining and withholding its baneful currents. How can that appear proper to human wisdom, which was so abhorrent to God? At the time of the infusion of the soul into the body of the Heavenly Lady, the Almighty desired that her mother, the Holy Anne, should feel and recognize the presence of the divinity in a most exalted manner. She was filled with the Holy Ghost and was moved interiorly with the joy and devotion altogether above the ordinary. She was wrapped in exalted ecstasy in which she was enlightened with deep intelligences of the most hidden mysteries and praised the Lord with new canticles of joy. These effects lasted during all the rest of her life, but they were greater during the nine months in which she bore in her womb the treasure of heaven. For during that time... These benefits were more constantly renewed and repeated with continual intelligences of the Holy Scriptures. These effects lasted during all the rest of her life, but they were greater during the nine months in which she bore in her womb the treasure of heaven. For during that time, these benefits were more constantly renewed and repeated with continual intelligences of the Holy Scriptures and of their most profound sacraments. O most fortunate woman, let all the nations and generations of the world extol thee and call thee blessed. This concludes our reading for today, day 28, in which we read from chapter 15, paragraphs 217 to 224. A few things that immediately stand out to me from our reading today. We heard about Saturdays, and we know that in the church that Saturdays are a day that we often keep in honor of the Blessed Mother. And one of the reasons that we do that is because it was on a Saturday in which Jesus was in the tomb, and so Mary keeping watch close to her son's tomb. And in a sense, that's our waiting with Mary for the resurrection of Jesus. But how interesting that Maria of Agreda today points out to us that Mary was conceived on a Saturday. And so that's another reason. So so very interesting, I think, uh, for our consideration you know, whether or not Mary was conceived on a Saturday, probably open to uh, debate, but this is what our mystical revelations tell us today in our readings. Secondly, there are always these beautiful titles for Our Lady that we hear uh, in our readings. And uh, today we heard the word reparatrix. So to repair the damage that was done in the world. Well, Mary becomes our reparatrix because she's going to repair what Eve and Adam did by giving birth to Jesus. So that is why she is our reparatrix. And then there was also this beautiful title as well, uh, the, in her womb, the treasure of heaven. 
that Mary is the treasure of heaven. Just a beautiful title to reflect about uh, who Mary is and how all of heaven is grateful for who Mary is and for what she accomplished in her life. There is also uh, in our reading today kind of a teaching that is controversial. And in fact, there is a note at the end of the book, at the end of this first volume on page 611, that gives clarification from what we have just read. And this is called the delayed ensoulment or the human ensoulment and respect for human embryos. So let me just read you both the notes. There's a note from the publisher issued in 2006, and then there's also a teaching from Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger, who we know became Pope Benedict, uh, issued on February 22nd, 1987. Note from page 179. Venerable Mary of Agreda says that a new human being receives a human soul some days after physical conception rather than immediately at physical conception. Thus she affirms the theory of immediate animation rather than that of immediate animation. The theory of immediate animation was popular in past centuries, even being held by saints. The theory of immediate animation has received strong support from the findings of modern biology and is held by most Catholic theologians today. However, the Church has not decided this precise question. That is, the Church has not defined at what point the new human being is animated by a human soul. Nevertheless, without answering this precise question, the Church has affirmed that the fertilized ovum is a separate human being from the first moment of its existence, that it is probably a person from the first moment of its existence, and that this human being is to be respected and treated as a person from the first moment of his existence. See the following excerpt from the document issued by the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. And here is that document. Catholic Teaching on Human Ensoulment and on Respect for Human Embryos, from the Instruction on Respect for Human Life in Its Origin and on the Dignity of Procreation, replies to certain questions of the day issued by the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith. This congregation is aware of the current debates concerning the beginning of human life, concerning the individuality of the human being, and concerning the identity of the human person. The congregation recalls the teachings found in the Declaration on Procured Abortion, From the time that the ovum is fertilized, a new life is begun, which is neither that of the father nor of the mother. It is rather the life of a new human being with his own growth. It would never be human if it were not human already. To this perpetual evidence, modern genetic science brings valuable confirmation. This teaching remains valid and is further confirmed if confirmation were needed by recent findings of human biological science which recognize that in the zygote resulting from fertilization, the biological identity of a new human individual is already constituted. Certainly no experimental datum can be in itself sufficient to bring us to the recognition of a spiritual soul. Nevertheless, the conclusions of science regarding the human embryo provide a valuable indication for discerning by the use of reason a personal presence at the moment of the first appearance of human life. How could a human individual not be a human person? The magisterium has not expressly committed itself to an affirmation of a philosophical nature, but it constantly reaffirms the moral condemnation of any kind of procured abortion. This teaching has not been changed and is unchangeable. Thus, the fruit of human generation from the first moment of existence, that is to say, from the moment the zygote has formed, demands the unconditional respect that is morally due to the human being in his bodily and spiritual totality. 
The human being is to be respected and treated as a person from the moment of conception, and therefore from that same moment his rights as a person must be recognized, among which in the first place is the inviolable right of every innocent human being to life. The doctrinal reminder provides the fundamental criterion of the solution of the various problems posed by the development of the biomedical sciences in this field. Since the embryo must be treated as a person, it must also be defended in its integrity, tended and cared for, to the extent possible in the same way as any other human being, as far as medical assistance is concerned. And so really that clarification about the ensoulment of the human being after conception a few days, we have to realize that Maria Vagrida is writing at a time where there isn't advanced science that we have today. So she's writing from the mindset of her time period. This shouldn't discredit her work or anything like that. And uh, it's just a, a good clarification for us to have looked at what the publisher offered us and also that teaching from the Vatican, from the Congregation of the Doctrine of Faith. I'm Father Edward Looney, and you've been listening to the Mystical City of God in your podcast. I am so delighted and honored that you are joining me in this journey of reading the four volumes. I hope that you'll continue that journey with me tomorrow. May God bless you today and Mary pray for you.